Hey guys, Doug Cummins here. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. Listen, let's just get into like how I'm going to help you become more successful in life. Let's do this. Hi guys. Hi. Does this work as, oh, it's live. There you go. <clears throat> well, first of all, thank you for uh, having me, right? I guess you probably could hear me without this thing, but yeah. for the sake of the video camera, I'll use a microphone. Yeah. So seriously, um, thank you for having me. Um, but the only question I do have is, why did you have to put me on after Les Brown? <laughs> okay, I mean, of all the scheduling, you know, it would have been nice to like open the show, <laughs> be quite honest with you. So um, I'm serious, Les, it was phenomenal seeing you in person and getting to listen to you speak. I was oh, so enjoyed, so enjoyed. Thank you, sir, thank you, yeah. Nicole was talking about my life and Manmel wanted me to share a bit of it. So I'll give you the, in, in, in America we have this old book, it's called the Reader's Digest, and I'm gonna give you the Reader's Digest version, okay? Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, it tells your age. Um, <laughs> no idea, exactly. Good answer. I was raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. And this is in the um, 60s. Well, this is when it was still pretty much the Wild West, okay? Where anything went, no matter what it was, um, you could do it. If it was in Vegas, if, you, if it existed in the immoral part of the world, you could buy at wholesale levels in Las Vegas. And being an adventurous young man, I got involved in every bit of it. <laughs> Completely. Money was easily gotten. You could be uh, in high school and go to the strip at one of these hotels and park cars or take luggage up to people's hotel room as a bellman and make $50,000 a year in tips in high school in the 60s and the 70s. Now, with all that easy money and you have free alcohol and all the drugs in the world because this is the 60s now and the 70s, Prostitution is legal, might as well have been. It wasn't theoretically. I mean, it had every vice you know, them, gambling everywhere, free booze, all the money in the world. <laughs> Crazy thing. So yes, a person can get into trouble, and I did, all right? My, my, my father died. He was the only one that had any glimmer of hope of controlling me whatsoever, all right? And he died when I was uh, 18 years old. And my mom remarried and moved out with her new husband and I got the house, all hell broke loose. This is when I was 18. And I got into drugs, I started that when I was like 12, got into smoking pot, and then one thing led to another, led to another, led to another, I, I did it to excess, okay? I actually showed up to school, but I never did any schoolwork. I'm seriously, how I graduated high school is beyond my wildest imagination. So here we are, I'm 22 years old, I'm functionally illiterate, true story, and I have a drug habit that could comatose an elephant, okay? And I was gonna go reach out for some help. My sister was a counselor, and um, I was gonna go to see her in, in uh, Los Angeles to get some help on drug, my drug habit. I thought, oh, I need some money. So I'll do one more drug deal. And I ended up driving a pickup truck loaded with three and a half million hits of amphetamines to an airplane at the airport owned by the Drug Enforcement Agency. <laughs> we refer to that as a bad day, okay? 
So the shotguns came out and my life changed forever. So I went to jail, got charged with five felony accounts, two of them with life sentences, because it was a lot of drugs. There I am, 22 years of age, in the proverbial orange jumpsuit, in jail, getting ready to go to prison for the rest of my life, and couldn't read or write, per se, and again, a massive drug problem. And this is, um, you could call it where you make all these promises to God, to Jesus, to your dead father, you, you, you just make a list. I promised everybody. I promised, I promised. But I think what it um, changed my life the most when I was in jail, you know, it'd have rooms about the size of this, and there'd be cages along this side, cages along this side, and then a common area in the middle. And during the daytime, they let us out of our cages, and uh, there'd be maybe, I'm gonna guess maybe 50, 60 guys in the center room. And I watched these guys prepare themselves mentally to go to prison, okay? I mean, like, like you're in jail now, which is nothing, okay? You could get a speeding ticket or not have uh, paid your traffic fine and end up in jail. It wasn't like a huge deal. These guys were gonna go to prison. They knew what it was. So I saw a couple things. Number one, because I asked, I surveyed, there wasn't one person in this entire, whatever you call it, collection of uh, uh, criminals who was not in there because they either sold drugs and got caught, or they high on drugs or drunk on alcohol and then did something stupid. There was not one exception, none. Everybody was either dearling drugs or messed up on drugs. I went, okay, there had to be something to that, all right? Make a mental note of that. And I actually watched these guys toughen up, get into this valence, this, this uh, mock-up of being a hardened criminal, you know, a tough guy and stuff. I saw people wanting to almost kill each other over which soap opera they were going to watch on TV. And I went, okay, this is a little extreme, okay? And I'm like, wow. So the thing that set my life on a new trajectory was the realization I'm not them. That simple decision, I'm not them. So I had this uh, traumatic time where I, and my mom came up there, and she had her new husband with her, and I'm talking through bulletproof glasses about three inches thick. Hi, Mom. Hi, Ken. And I have to ask him for a million dollars in bail to get out of jail. So she put up the house that I used to live in and got me out of jail. And to make a long story short, I spent the next three years of my life going through the legal hoops and everything like that, getting back, I would call it in society. It was very challenging, because remember, I, I came with a very large drug problem. I had to get off of all the drugs. I had to get this thing cleaned out of my body. I had to get a life. I had to get a life. And I did, I worked very hard at it. Got the hell out of Vegas, that was the first thing I did. It was, took me three years, I'm now um, 25 years old, and I, I go see the judge and I get five years probation, he let me off and um, gave me my life back. So I'm 25 years old, and I'm now living in Southern California, Los Angeles, 
and I, um, I start my first company. I've been a salesperson, always, probably always will be. That's what I do. I love it, right? And I, I started from nothing. I had a little office about the size of this square right here, okay? That was my office, and from there, I built my first company from absolutely nothing. Within five years, it was on the, we had in those days called the Inc. 500. I was number 78 on the list. Boom, this company, yeah, thank you. There were some things I did not understand about human nature, how some people can look at you and smile as they stab you in the back. Those guys, right, didn't fully get it, and I lost everything. Took me five years to build it and five months to lose it all. So, walked away from that with my tail between my legs, went into um, a different industry, took that one, boomed that company, did really, really well with it. I went in the telecommunications industry, took me one, two tries, first one didn't really go well, and then the second one just whoosh, took off like a rocket. And by the time I was, um, I started that industry when I was in my early 30s, and uh, by the time I was 38, I was literally able to retire. I had enough money coming in. It was like, in those days, it was like $60,000, $65,000 a month, and I'm, I'm good. I'm living in, um, I called it Brown County, because it was Orange County, California, and the air literally was brown. I hated it. And I actually had come to Clearwater, and I was just amazed that, wow, the sky can be blue. Wow, check it out, it's blue. And there's sunsets. So I um, called my family and I said, look, pack it, we're coming. And it was just like the Clampets. We got in the truck and moved across the country. And then within a, um, I think it was about 18 months later, the guy who I was partnered with just turned out to be a criminal. I'll make the story short. Stole all my money, I'm back to zero again. Good. Um, <laughs> I might have had more choice words, but. Uh, but that was a, that was a drag, and uh, that one that one cut. Because I'll tell you, I've been to zero a number of times, and usually took me about two, three, four days to get my mojo back. This time took me a couple of years. I mean, I got hit hard on that one, and um, but I finally got my mojo back. I went into the energy business. Um, from nothing. I mean, I was one of the first people to enter the deregulated markets in America and developed a whole industry on my own intuition and my own horsepower. And it's now done billions and billions of dollars worth of revenue. Made me a very wealthy man, which, this is weird, made me a very wealthy man, but I have no money because I give it all away, okay? <laughs> um, and then and, and I continue to do it. And I, now we've opened up offices and, um, uh, Europe, in Italy, where my wife and I live part of the year, and we come back to Florida. I have um, business partners and uh, different companies in Florida and over in the United Kingdom. So I'm like spread about uh, five, six companies deep where I'm on the board of directors and help out as much as I can to, you know, assist everybody, okay? And, um, and that brings me to today. This is how I got here and do this stuff, and I'm very philanthropic because I, my purpose in life is um, I'm here to take the money from the old world and use it to build a new one. It's my state of the end.
And in uh, statistically speaking, we're about $180 million into it and counting. And the game is not done yet, you know, so there we go. Yeah, thank you. <clears throat> what was that? What? Yeah, it could have been a barrier or two, just a barrier or two. It's funny because Manuel has made me, when I partnered up with Attention Grabbing Media, he, he's pushed me into the social media world, right? I'm like, I don't even have social media on my phone. You want me to go do this? The answer is yes. You know, so we've been like experimenting with it and it's been a blast because it gives me a chance to get on the communication lines of the world and share a message. There's hope. There's somewhere that you can do something about it. Something can be done something and be done about it.